This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Yes, welcome to the retro Anatomy of a Movie, where we, the three of us here, take a movie that we should have seen at some point in our lives, but we haven't, and we take a look at it for the first time, and we pass the knowledge on to each and every one of you. This week, joined by... Myself, Christian Blatt, is joined by the wonderful, the talented, the Aww. happiest of cappiest. The nicest thing Christian has ever said to me. Don't to get used to it, but. <laughs> I am here, Alexa Cappiello. Woo! And also, I forget now what I called you, lovely, talented, all those things. Also yes. true about Rachel. <laughs> Rachel Milano Cookie, also known as uh, Rachel Goodman, <laughs> Rachel Radner, Rachel, Rachel liked, the author. Rachel liked Last Jedi more than I did, but yes, so did everybody. Uh, <laughs> or maybe not. Rachel, hi. Hi, I'm here. Rachel Goodman. That's who <laughs> yes. we go with, right? That's the, the appropriate branding? That is, yes, that is my name. And in the booth, Mr. Ryan J. Woo! Nielsen. Ryan. Hello, hello. Excited to talk about Invisible Man. Now, Ryan, have you seen Invisible Man? I have not seen Invisible okay. Man. I, there will be some spoilers from 1933. That's completely fine, because I'm really <laughs> yeah. excited to see the, the new one coming out this Friday. Yeah. That, and I was going to mention that that's why we chose this one, because there is a new... Invisible, Invisible, Invisible. <laughs> <laughs> there, oh, okay, so, so Wait, it's okay to use music sometimes. Oh, That was some Queen uh, Invisible Man for you. <laughs> that, looks like, you. that looks like Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, they're very inspired yeah. by that. yeah. Uh, nobody looks better in a suit than Brian May. Anyway, we've got uh, The Invisible Man, the original from 1933, that uh, ties into the 2020 version that'll be starring Elizabeth Moss. I think this one's a little different. Yeah. Just slightly. Just a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Uh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Right no, now? just that the um, the one, The Invisible Man that's coming out uh, is seems to be more centered around the Me Too movement and more about the psycho- psychological effects that somebody, uh, well, first of all, beyond the grave has on a person still living and how a kind of a stalker, egomaniac boyfriend can affect a person. So this was a little bit different. It was a little bit different. Uh, And why do you think, Rachel, that you had not seen this movie up until this point in your life? That's a really good question because a long time ago I had read the book. Um, so I just I don't. felt like you knew the story. I felt like I knew it and no. felt like, you know, honestly, maybe it was because certain movies, like, I enjoy horror, but I also get very scared by horror. Not that I'd consider this to be a horror film per se, but. It is, though. It, I mean, it, it, it's, it is. it's got some scares and it's got. Uh, some death. A lot, lot, lot more death than I expected. <laughs> a lot of all, death. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It very rarely do you think a movie from 1933, the title character is just an outright murderer. Yeah. yeah. And a very important thing well, about this movie, by the way, is that it, it's it's pre-code. It's before the, the, Hays, the Hays Code. code. Yeah. 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 So, so somehow it passed that. It, yeah. Well, it, the fact that he's uh, actually, I mean, he's not a good guy. He's, a, I would say he's a villain. Yeah. You know, and uh, the movie's about him and. I think we're supposed to like him. I I, I don't know that I ever well, come around to we're him. We're supposed to kind of like him because he's doing this for his 
his fiance, like out of love for her and like wanting to be or give her a better life yes. or whatever. But in reality, what you're really suggesting is, uh, you know, just to murder a lot of people to, for the yeah. greater good. Like it's it's very Thanos of. <laughs> yeah, no, I agreed. And you know, look, it's a, it's it's a lot different than uh, Kevin Bacon and Hollow Man. What he decided to be up to when he was invisible. So it just depends on what you do. Invisible power. Basically, I, he's, what he's he wants to sell this idea, like yeah. this this brilliant nugget of an idea, this this potion that makes you invisible to whatever country will take it and then reap. The benefits of I that. mean, if you could have an invisible army, it would be pretty cool. It would be. You know? Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't. You know, I, I think about think about the money that you would save on uniforms. First of all, until they go in, incognito and they end up having a rebellion <laughs> and yeah. uprise. This is a terrible idea. And there's also <laughs> the problem if uh, oh, is there going to be snow? Yeah, we can't use the invisible army. No, that's, no, that's they're done. Be a is, it, yeah. is is it raining? Yeah. Yeah. Again. Uh, is there smog in the air? Yeah, that's going to also be a problem. <laughs> now, I do want to point out, I know we're like laughing and everything right now, but just on a more somber note, the first thing that went through my mind watching this, the year 1933 is also the year that Hitler ended up taking power in Germany. So one of the things, one of the parallels that I instantly went to mm-hmm. is that they were trying to show corruption and greed and what someone who is who is domineering and evil and and foul in every way could be like obviously they did not like world war ii had not yet happened uh there was no world war at this point but i just find found it very interesting that this would be one of the major grossing movies of that year yeah, I mean, uh, at, at this point, yeah. in, in certainly in American history, you know, uh, we we were not very interested in what was going on anywhere uh, outside of our borders. So, uh, you know, there wasn't even really didn't seem problematic in Germany. We we're like, we already had the Great War. And yeah. uh, we took care. We took care of old Jerry. We took care of uh, the Germans. So we don't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, so. Uh, also, let's you know keep in mind that this is also before. I think this is actually the year that prohibition gets repealed. So yeah. it's a very different time. The book was written in 1895, and I actually thought when the movie started that it was set in that time period. And then I saw the first car, and I was like, okay, so no, I guess it's just 1933. Mm-hmm. Feels yeah. like the late 19th century yeah. when you're watching it in 2020. <laughs> uh, you know, it just, just it felt it felt yeah. pretty old. I mean, I well, guess when there was a telephone, I should have realized that it wasn't it wasn't actually 1895. But. And I mean, I think it was the acting too, and the way that they're Ooh. the way that the Ooh. British. Act, not that okay. So I think that it's not so much that they obviously were in a film with English actors, but there was a certain. Um, tone that actors used in this time period when they were in films, especially seeing a guy like Claude Rains. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it did feel, it did age it for me. Who has more. a voice like Butter, by the way? I mean, <laughs> it's like, a pretty oh, great voice. What yeah. a great voice. Well, <laughs> it was interesting, too, because I know him from Casablanca. Yeah. So seeing yeah. him so much younger at the very end... Uh, was, he is a lot younger, you're right. He I mean, was. 12 years earlier, maybe? This was one of his think, first movies. Right. I think Casablanca was 42, something okay. like so, that. Okay, yeah. so nine. Yeah. I just did that math. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, it's, he is much younger, even though you don't see him until the very end. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the cast. Uh, Gloria Stewart, I think, suffers from what the conventions were expected for actresses of this time. Remember, you didn't have sound in your film for very long at this point, the talkies. 
they all kind of talked the same way. And you're like, no one could have ever possibly talked like that. But yet everyone in movies does. And uh, do you, either of you know what movie you've both certainly seen Gloria Stewart in? Well, I know for a fact she was on a soap opera in 2002. Okay. Like, do, you know, do you know something else that you've seen her in? No. No. Tell us. Titanic. She's the old lady. Oh, what? Yeah. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I looked it up to make sure I was right. But I, I, thought, <laughs> I, was like, I thought that was her name. Yeah. The old lady had to be somebody. Well, I mean, because she, when I looked up her filmography, she had done a ton. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even only in the 30s. It was up until, you know, close to when she had passed away. Gloria Stewart being the girlfriend? Yeah. Mm. Flora. Yeah, Flora. The, the, Who I really feel like didn't have much of a role in this to begin to begin with. So uh, she was all right. She was just like, Yeah, I'm it was here. just like, well, you can calm them down. Yeah. You know? And, and by the way, not really. Not really. Not very effective. No, she was know? just a pawn. Yeah, just. Uh, he is basically she's the only person he didn't want to murder. Yeah, yeah. the only one. The only Literally one. humanized her, him yeah. just a little bit, just but barely, barely I mean, though. Yeah, and go ahead. Yeah, the big thing with her too that I mean, one I the way that I saw him with her, it did. I fi- I hoped that this would be the moment that we could see some kind of redemption, and that maybe. It would actually be the monocane, and we could argue, okay, well, he's only acting like this because of what the drug did to his brain. We don't know, though, if he was really already going crazy or if this was a byproduct of the drug, number one. But number two, um, I just wanted to make a comment about her and the Flora character and how it annoyed me that she pretty much cried in every scene. Yeah, and she I was, was... I mean, you know, look, women be crying. <laughs> I think that's a takeaway from here. Uh, but to be fair, there is actually kind of a lot to cry about when your fiance turns invisible. Every scene. Yeah, and you're, well, you know, and it's you find out that he's probably, you know, like there's a chance he might murder you. There's, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that uh, it, it is very interesting, though, like from when he shows, when he first shows up, uh, you know, and he's at that inn, and he's just such a dick to everyone. Like to everyone, I'm like, and he's not paying? Like, what? you know, and uh, I mean, obviously, we have the advent that we know that, you know, he's the invisible man. But I can imagine like audience like, well, this fellow's dressed rather odd. I wonder what his story is, you know, when you haven't read it. Well, but, I'm ahead. sure they knew already based upon the fact, fact that. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's like it's like, for instance, if we go to, a, a you know, see a movie and we have heard it's based on a book. I'm sure they understood that much that it was about an invisible man. <laughs> The title does imply yeah. that that might be the case. Yeah. yeah, there may or may not be an invisible person in this film. That's I did think that it was incredibly dramatic. The, the very first scene was so dramatic in that he he walks in and everybody stops what they're doing to look at him. Like I was very, it was very like those old western movies yeah. where the a guy walks in and then everybody gets quiet. Or the that. the modern day version of that, and you walk into you know an establishment and the record scratches and everyone stops to look at you. <laughs> I mean, that literally happens in 48 hours, a million other movies, but that's the first one I thought That's of. funny. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely that. You know, and, you know, he looks odd, but at the same yeah. time, it's snowing outside. It's so, snowing. yeah, you could be bundled up. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't uh, – I, I, I did want to ask you, and then, Rachel, I know you read it probably a while ago. Yeah. But what comes to mind for you that are differences, from, or is the book too long ago that you don't really remember what was different about it? Um, to me – 
it's been a long time like sure. back in high school but from what i remember it was similar um i feel like sometimes with the books especially books written by hd wells sometimes you actually can see more of the character's perspective like in any book in general sure so i feel like if anything it was almost scarier watching the movie because you didn't have that perspective from the um i think his name was jack yeah the jack my oh notes, jack griffin my notes can tell you uh, let's hear some more yeah. from the notes alexa no, capiello no, note master general no. of uh, retro <laughs> anatomy of the murder um no but uh basically they say that griffin was even more insane in the books griffin is already insane before he makes himself invisible and he's entirely motivated by his lust for power in the book, as opposed to them giving him a little bit more of a, a humanizing motivation. I would say a little bit more, yeah. In the sure. movie, where he's just trying to make a better life for his yeah. his fiance and him in the future. So, see, it could just be that I read it a very long time ago, but I actually thought that he was more... Like, I thought that he was worse in the actual movie because Interesting. because he sort of just jumped, like, as soon as he meets up with Kemp, he's all of a sudden like, yep, I want to, you know... Have, kill a couple people and uh, rule the world. No biggie. And I, I, I need a visible partner, and uh, it's the lucky day and for you. Kemp yeah. survives in the novel. Uh, his life is saved by those who ultimately killed Griffin. In the film, Kemp is terrified throughout and pays his life by betraying Griffin. With his life, excuse me. That's what you get. Don't betray the invisible Don't man. Don't betray the invisible <laughs> man who, he, yeah. who's like, I'm going to kill you on Saturday at, at 10, 10 p.m. He's got like a very, it's like, <laughs> not right now <laughs> when I could just walk up and, I don't know, crush your windpipe. But I, I'll come back a little later. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have my killing gloves on. So <laughs> at some point, uh, don't worry, I will kill you. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, it's a, it's totally very dark, obviously, because it's in black and white it is visually very dark, but you know, not necessarily, and not every black and white film feels quite as dark as this, but, uh, I do think that they do a good job sort of showing how desperate he is. Like, I, I mean, sure. He's got this scheme that, but in the early part of the film, I think he really wants to be able to have a cure, not just so that he can sell it with a cure, but he's like, yeah, this invisible thing's been all right, but uh, I think I think it'd probably be good if people could see me again, you know. Uh, so I'm just sort of wondering what each of you thought about sort of the the little bit of the the character arc we got uh, for Jack throughout the movie. What did you think of you know, basically as the movie went along, Alexa? I don't know. I don't I don't think it had a, a strong enough arc for him. Like I I wanted to like him more, and I just didn't. He was just a a bad person i didn't even care that you know his motivation was was for his fiance i just i don't know i felt i felt very disconnected from him and but I to just, be fair your heart is invisible so yes. you don't actually know how to yes. feel that kind of yes. yes no i just you know i you know for talking for talking classic monster movies i felt more when i watched frankenstein than i ever did watching this this i really enjoyed from a special effects standpoint but story-wise i thought it was just okay I didn't think it was strong in that regard. What did you think about uh, Jack Griffith? Griffin? Um, Griffith. I don't Griffin, think that think. he was supposed to have much of an arc mm-hmm. other than he's... Ta- I think the whole point was that don't mess with science yeah. as much as he had. Yeah. And in that that was basically the mistake that he made that was going don't to be... God. That was going to be yeah. ir- irreversible. And so... But here's the thing, though. So for me... <laughs> 
at first, I wasn't sure where they were going with this because I had no expectations that it was going to be anything like the book. I just kind of viewed it as watching something separate. And so as I was going into this, at first I thought it was going to be a comedy when we first (laughs) saw uh, Jack and he was kind of like, you know, running around in the room, chasing everybody out. Naked, by the way. Yeah. Totally naked. But (laughs) nobody really got, like, super hurt. Nobody Not at first. Yeah, not at first. But it was the point when he went in and then killed an officer and walked out. Mm. That was the point where I said, okay, yeah, this guy has, there's no way to really redeem him. And then by the end, you know, by the time he's running around killing people on trains and just, you know, messing things up to a point where he really is just sabotaging everyone that's where i'm like okay yeah this really like i thought that at first they were gonna have him go through an arc where he was able to become a better person Mm -hmm. from being invisible Mm -hmm. but then as soon as he started killing i realized that is not the direction they were going and if (laughs) anything i thought that kemp might have had a stronger arc but then he flatlined at a certain point Mm -hmm. yeah no that those yeah i think I, i agree with all of that and i do think that you know, a little bit more complex storytelling would be that he would be redeemed, he would be a better person, but then gets killed anyway because yeah. everybody's like, yeah, but you did all that stuff, so yeah. uh, we haven't stopped coming for you. Mm-hmm. So here's a pitchfork to the eye, buddy. I also felt like their third act was really short. Now, I know the movie well, the was... Movie's- uh, it's an hour and ten minutes or an hour and fifteen? An hour and eleven, yeah. yeah. Okay. There's only but, so many so far you can go with it though. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're gonna take this the reins of making him this big murderer, like how many murders do we get to see before it finally like okay, let's not nearly let's do enough. Something. Yeah. But like <laughs> I wanted more murder in this movie. The big climatic moment though, when we were getting to that very end, it was only a span of like eight eight or ten minutes. Mm-hmm. So I felt like we had all of this build up and then we finally got to like the meat and then it was over. So. Yeah, I mean, it's very abrupt. Obviously, films were much shorter, especially at this point. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny because this is such a well-known, you know, of, of, of I mean, it's it's hard to call this a monster movie, but he is considered sort of one it of is. those monster it characters. Monster so, yeah, and, and I think you don't think of it being quite this short, you know. Uh, there's plenty of room to add commercials when you show it on television. So there's no problem there. I actually thought it was one of the first superhero super blah, superhero movies in the sense that there's a guy unlike you know not too dissimilar from you know other uh, superheroes we know or villains who accidentally you know drop in some chemical or they take a medication and so suddenly he became this evil corrupt person from messing with a chemical. Uh, and so, and everything that ensued was, yeah. it, it felt very formulaic to me and reminis- reminiscent of a superhero film. I wish that they had, instead of blowing this up into like the, these big murder scenes, had taken more time to make it more of like a suspenseful, like given them a suspenseful scene, like where he's creeping up on people more and like doing things here and there. And like, you don't, you can't see him. So it's really scary. It's really scary when you can't see the villain. We know that from Jaws. So true. So they should have built the suspense as opposed to just murdering people left and right. I don't know. I agree. And it's they had the perfect opportunity to do so. Like all these little special effects they could have done. I don't know. It's harder too when it's Claude Rains and he's going hee 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 every (laughs) time. 
It is hard to take them a little seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're making the point that sort of one of the takeaways of this story is that, you know, we shouldn't really mess with science to this degree. And I'm glad that in the 80 plus years since this movie, we have clearly heeded that. And we as a society do not mess with, with science at no all. Way. We haven't cloned any sheep. No. Nope. We haven't invented breeds of dogs. We haven't figured out a way to make a tomato without seeds in it. We didn't do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So thank God that we learned the lesson that we should not play God and we should not uh, mess around with uh, the dark arts of science. So uh, I think that it's um, you can see why this movie is important in in a lot of ways. Like from a filmmaking standpoint, you're like, oh yeah, I mean, just sort of visually uh, you know, I mean they clearly, and they clearly spent money on it, whatever whatever big budget was it, in that point. And I think Alexa 300, Capiello. Yeah. 300000 I think. And yeah. it made over $328,000. I mean, you, you can't make a McDonald's commercial for it's 300000 It's 71 minutes, and it was released in 1933. Wow. Yeah. Uh, now, you were talking about the effects. Yeah, the special and I, effects. I, I, I have read a little bit about this, but I find it fascinating how they did it, because now you could do The Invisible Man. You could, We have a room in this building. I could go wear a green shirt. In front of the green screen, and uh, it would be very easy. That's but partially that's, why I but, feel like this remake is is not going to be good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they're, you know, the Me Too movement. I'm glad that they're like incorporating these these things into this, you know. Oops, sorry. Old take film. that microphone. Smack. Wait, did you do that or did Claude Rains hit your microphone? <laughs> um, but it's just not the same. I think that this movie was made in 1933 for a reason, and and the special effects, in my opinion, it wasn't about the story. I mean. You can take away certain things from the story, yes, but uh, I think what really makes this film special are the special effects, the, what they were able to achieve back then. Because if they weren't special, they would just be effects. Right, <laughs> correct. The the cigarette Stupid. scene where he's... Uh, I did like yeah. that. That was cool. I'm like, yeah. oh. I mean, like, I can obviously see that that's not in the scene right here, but... And then when they did it in the video well, that we'll you talk, sent us? We'll talk okay. about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I sort of want to talk about this film and then we'll talk about invisible characters uh, thereafter. But yeah. yes, that's we're going to tease that forward, yes. Yeah. Yeah, when, when Claude Rains had to take his clothes off, um, the effect was achieved by shooting Claude Rains in a completely black velvet suit against a black velvet background and then combining the shot with another shot and the location of the scene took place during using a matte process. Uh, Claude Rains was actually claustrophobic, so it was hard for him to breathe in yeah. the suit. Um, so the Which work- is great casting. Like, <laughs> like in The Wizard of Oz when the, the original Tin Man was allergic to the Tin Man makeup. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, we should have looked into that. Before the work we- was difficult. And so they had a double um, who was somewhat shorter than Reigns, but was sometimes used. Well, if you're invisible, I guess it doesn't really matter how tall you are. It's great for continuity. (laughs) Just make sure that he matches. Okay, so you mean the floating cigarette? Yeah, we got that. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane what they were able to accomplish back then. And um, honestly, I would have preferred watching a a behind the scenes about how they were able to do the special effects than the the film itself. I'm glad I watched it. No, no, I mean, it's not without, you know, first of all, it's not without entertainment value. And historically, there's a lot to be taken away from it. But yeah, I agree that like seeing how they were able to pull that off I mean that just seems so counterintuitive like the black velvet suit I know know? and just you know I mean but when you think about like what they were doing with film I mean it's like 
I think in King Kong, the, the, the they would like they actually would scratch the negative to kind of get the the look of uh, like lightning or you know that era. And I think King Kong is maybe the same year as this. If not, it's it's right around 1933. So you know, I, I, it's just they did they did whatever they could think of, and it's just like yeah, great. Let's use this uh, black velvet suit. Yeah, well, and then also when he had his clothes on. Um, uh, they used wires, basically. Yeah. To that's like so cool. They like hung it up by wires, and they moved it with wires. And then I was wondering how they did the opening and closing of doors and all that stuff. I don't know. Well, it's probably not that difficult, but I was just like, oh. Yeah, it's, pro- it's, <laughs> so it's cool. probably it's probably like a you know that's like a stagehand with a very large. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm almost wondering too. Like, for example, with the floating books. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if you know. Obviously, it wasn't. I didn't see a string, and sometimes with movies like this, mm-hmm. you can tell. Yeah. I'm almost wondering if for some of the effects, what they did was they filmed it with someone carrying it, and then they filmed another shot with no one in it at all, and then just kind of clipped the two, you know, um, the film together to give it that effect. But that would be, you know... There is a mistake, though. At the very end, you, you know, when you see him walking through the snow, oh, yeah. he should, it should be footprints, but... Because he can't wear shoes. Uh, like, uh, bare footprints, yeah. but yeah. they're shoe prints. Yeah, which yeah. he because he can't wear clothes. Right. Yeah, I did. I did read that. I did think it was a cool effect, though. Even though they did yes. get it wrong that they did it with shoes, <laughs> uh, I did well, like the idea that. Um, what if I, he made his shoes invisible too, and whatever he was wearing <laughs> is always well, going to be on him? That's a bit of a workaround that they used for invisible characters, <laughs> like uh, like Sue Storm, the Invisible Girl slash Invisible Woman from yeah. the Fantastic Four. It's like, oh yeah, no, her costume's invisible too. Yeah. You don't have to worry yeah. about that. That's fine. You know, I mean, it, it's I think that invisible technology has come a long way uh, since 1933. But I I did think some of that stuff looked cool. uh, It it is interesting how they were able to figure out, it's like, well, we're going to just build this uh, big wall and we're going to put, you know, all this stuff at the top and then we're going to see them. And then, uh, you know, thank God that it snowed that day because (laughs) um, I I do have to say that it took me out of the story when he's sleeping on the hay and he's sleeping... (laughs) Wow. I'm like, really? That's how that's how the invisible man sleeps. Wow. It was so loud. Just... And I was just well, like, all right. I, I think that you know, in a, you you can look at it how long ago that movie was, but really, like that's how they're having him sleep. Yep. That and the fact that it was so Oh I think he's snoring in me pop. <laughs> oh I heard him. And I was like, yeah, of course you heard him. He's well, louder than anything the else in the film. James Whale does come from th- Theatrical background. Yeah. So. Oh, well, that might fly in the theater, <laughs> but not in the movie theater. What are we going to say? No, just that it's also awkward for me watching Kemp and the other, uh, watching Kemp and the and the other cops trying to plan all of this and not recognizing it all. Like they made one little passing comment. Oh, he might be around, but then the fact that they would choose to make the rest of their plans in the same spot. Yeah. Where the Invisible Man knows, they should have probably just figured out, okay, he was last sighted here by these people. Let's go, like, let's drive somewhere else where we know that he's definitely not. At least try. But how do you know that he's not in your car? Well, if you know that he, if you've already heard the news that he's somewhere else through phone, it's not that behind. You can at least try to be somewhere else. I mean, I like their... Look, A for effort, trying to move the <laughs> yeah. nets through the room, you know, and everybody, you know, trying to catch him, make sure he's not in there. But, doggone it, he just always found a way. That mm. invisible man. He <laughs> found a way to be to be uh, invisible. Uh, so, 
Um, what are are there any other good tidbits before we talk more about this film in in terms of its its legacy and uh, follow ups and such? I mean, obviously, we do have the new version uh, coming out. Uh, I believe this Friday. Uh, with Elizabeth Moss, and I actually don't know who's playing the Invisible Man in that. You know, it doesn't matter because he's invisible. But I know we'll see him at some point in the in the film. Uh, so, uh, if anything jumps out at you, uh, Alexa, please uh, chime in. Really, at uh, well, at any time. Well, I mean, um, you guys know. Not if, now. No, well, at any time. The director, uh, James Whale, also did uh, Frankenstein and uh, Bride of Frankenstein, and he was uh, openly uh, gay. Which, back in the day, wow. was very yeah. uh, obviously taboo. Um, but uh, a lot of historians believe that uh, *Bride of Frankenstein* was just basically a uh, commentary on uh, uh, social commentary on marriage and and how Frankenstein reacted to his uh, creator versus his uh, bride and. All, all that was is basically a, a way of James Whale to talk about yeah. sexuality and homosexuality and how marriage doesn't need to be between a man and a woman. It could be between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. And just, An invisible man and a wolf man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no, you know, I mean, why why should uh, should they should the universal monsters not have the same rights as everyone else? Yeah. Oh. The only other thing I want to mention too is the production. Uh, so we had it was by Carl Lemel Jr. Um, who was actually his father was Carl Lamel, who founded Universal Studios, mm-hmm. and um, his son, the junior, took over um, and uh, pretty much was he took over until I think it was 1928 oh. uh, after his father had passed away. Well, if only I knew somebody who worked at Universal Studios I, who yeah. might know something about him. Yeah, Carl Lemley, who is that guy? I do. I work at oh. Universal. I'm a tour guide over there, so we get Carl Lemley, uh, you know, uh, jammed I, into our brains. I've been to his movie theater, <laughs> so there's one right down the street, you know. Uh, yeah. So there, do, do you do you talk about the foundings or? Yeah, yeah. Of course, we do mention it on our tours. Uh, Carl Emley and and uh, his legacy and all that. So of course, it's a big uh, deal. So uh, this is from the IMDb page for the movie, but I did want to share that the first time Claude Rain's daughter ever saw him, her father, in a movie was in 1950. He took her to a showing of The Invisible Man in a small Pennsylvania theater. Shout out for you, (laughs) Rachel. Uh, While the movie was playing, he kept telling her about how he made the movie. So everyone stopped watching the movie and just paid attention to Claude Rains talking about how they made the movie. (laughs) So if you had been in that theater in 1950, you could have found out about the uh, behind the scenes, uh, Alexa. Uh, So there are obviously uh, follow-up films that are not actually attached to this. There's... Obviously, that character does die at the end, which I think is like kind of like a. I think that's one of the things that they do best is that reveal that we don't see f- photos of him. There's not like a painting of him. There's we don't actually. I mean, yes, if you know what Claude Rains looks like, sure, but you don't see him until the very end, and I think that that's kind of like a, a cool reveal. I also wonder how annoying it would be if you never actually got to see him. He's like, and now he's dead. He was, uh, (laughs) here's a good fun fact. He was supposed to be Boris Karloff, or Boris Karloff was supposed to play play the Invisible Invisible Man, Man, uh, but uh, they had to mix up in directors, and, and, uh, oh, Karloff decided not to be in it because... uh, they were messing with his salary. They didn't want to give him. Yeah, they probably wanted to give him like a hundred dollars, and he's like, "I insist on a hundred and five. Carlos, like, dude, I was 
Frankenstein, they don't man. Care. They you don't need care. to step it up. Yeah. Plus, why are we using the same actor over and over again in every single monster? Hey, they should have. They should have told him that uh, you know Bell Lugosi is going to work for half of your rate, and he's like, "I'll do it." Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, so uh, you know, there's uh, there's uh, in- Invisible Man appears with. Uh, I think that's the one with Vincent Price. There's there's no shortage of Invisible Man movies. There are multiple Invisible Man TV series. One from 2000, one from, I think, 1950. So it, this idea of invisible characters is uh, fairly prevalent. Wasn't uh, there one with, not Kevin Space, Kevin... The Kevin Bacon Kevin Hollow Man. Bacon. That one's called Ho- Hollow Man. Oh, okay, I thought... So you didn't have to license anything. Which, by the way, you can watch our Guilty Movie Pleasures coverage of Hollow Man tomorrow at 6 p.m. PST. Oh. Look see, at that. Cross-promotion. The thing, the thing about Hollow Man is they, I, I think they achieved what I wanted out of this movie, which You was, wanted it to be more rapey. No. Not rapey, <laughs> but suspenseful. No, I know. It was scarier as opposed to just... Well, I think that the, you have to understand this is probably very scary for me yeah. All right, fine, exactly. fine, fine. But yeah. I wanted more suspense. Yeah. No. no, I actually think it was just the time period. Yeah. I think that seeing this, especially back then when the effects were so limited, yes. it was probably one of the scariest movies that people had ever seen. Right. Yeah, no, I think I think, think you're probably right. And then just that idea of like, wait, is is there an invisible person in this theater sitting next to me? A ghost? I don't know. Uh, and uh, before we move on to talk a little bit more about The Invisible Man, I think we we should actually get to what we talk about on every episode of this show. Does it hold up? Rachel, does it hold up? I would say yes. Um, the reason being, it held my attention. Did I think that the third act was a little bit lacking? Yes. Um, but... If I'm holding it to a 1933 standard, then no, I don't think that um, I, I don't think there was anything wrong with that act being so short. And it felt very satisfying for me at the end. And I think that we saw the Invisible Man die; he had to die. And so, just throughout, um, it was a very entertaining watch. And so, I would say, yeah, all these years later, it still holds up. Well, not judging it from a 1933 standard, Alexa, from the 2020 standard. Yeah, that's what I thought we were doing yeah. with this question, yeah. which well, is taking it... No, no, you're saying the third act isn't really a problem, and you do feel that the movie holds up. It holds yeah. up even now. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah but what do you think, Alexa? Uh, I'm... Like, I'm close to saying yes, but I'm more like, nah, not really. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree in that sense that it holds up in the way of, like... You have to watch it through a very specific prism, very and so like, specific uh, lens, like, and understand the time period. And like old television, give it benefit it, it, of that the is doubt. very often yes. the case. You know? So I don't think it by twenty twenty standards. I don't think people would go to this movie and say that was a really good movie. I think they'd be like, that was all right. It was like okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so no, I, don't think I, it I do think I do think it's all of its significance is in it being historical yes. and it being from such a long time yes. ago. I think. It doesn't hold up for a modern audience that's going to just walk in and see it. But if you enjoy film mm-hmm. and studying film, yes. you're going, then you're to, gonna you're like going it. to like it. Yes. Yeah. And I do think it's overall very entertaining, yeah. even from even watching it now. But I agree. I don't think that it's going to be, it's not going to draw an audience that a movie like Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss is going to draw. Right. And uh, Which so, I'm a little intrigued now. I think I'm intrigued. Yeah. I think I'm going to see it. Yeah. Well, you can tell me how it was. No, I, <laughs> it's more because I don't get out to the movies very much. I have to watch my movies at home. You don't go out to the movies and yet you're hosting an Anatomy of a Movie uh, show. Retro oh, okay. anatomy of a movie. Where can He's I watch? Old. Where can I watch these movies in my house? 
once my kids go to sleep. Uh, and I just want to give a shout out. I shared a video with uh, each of the ladies. For me, my first exposure to The Invisible Man came in a very little known film called uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. It has a very funny sequence starring Ed Begley Jr. as The Invisible Man. And I'm using air quotes for The Invisible Man. Because he's actually not invisible, and but he thinks he's invisible, <laughs> and everybody's just gotten used to the idea of like, oh no, how me check is moving, and you know, and it's just they're like, he just thinks that he's like <laughs> pulling a fast one, everybody, and meanwhile he's just this naked guy walking around, and uh, so uh, I, I I was thinking when I was putting together my notes for this, the reason why I'm mentioning it is I'm like, oh yeah, and then there's the son of the Invisible Man, I'm like, oh wait, that's not a real movie, that's Ed Begley Jr. in Amazon Women on the Moon. Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I don't know quite know what that Invisible Man is that uh, Ryan showed. It's the new one. Oh, that's for the new one. All right, yeah. I, I didn't know who that was a photo of because she's almost invisible. Uh, so that is our that is our coverage on Invisible Man. Uh, for next week, I wanted to pick a sports film because of sports. the upcoming sports ball. The Way Back, I believe, is the name <laughs> of the Ben Affleck movie. Ah. And instead of just you know picking. A gem from Ben Affleck's, you know, maybe Phantoms or something that most people haven't seen. Instead, I thought we would uh, dive into arguably, or by some people's account, one of the greatest sports movies ever made, Brian's Song. So we will watch that next week on a retro anatomy of a movie. I almost left the retro off. But until next week... Rachel, where do people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Rach Goodman or on my author Instagram account at Rachel Radner Author. You can also find me on The Outlander, uh, The Young and the Restless, Narcos Mexico Season 2, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and the Stumptown panels. You left off Doctor Who. Oh, wait, well, one more. Season well, finale. One more. One people more. can watch it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the reason why you really have to watch the Curb Your Enthusiasm panels is that we're both on it. Yeah. 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 The other ones, sure. Fine. We're both <laughs> Maybe. on that one. And I am Chopped Liver. <laughs> You're on this show with us, so tune in next week. I'm actually week. patiently waiting for Barry to come back. Still not back. I know. But yeah. um, my name's Alexa Capiello, and you can find me on Instagram at Alexa Cappy, C-A-P-P-Y. Don't look for her anywhere else. Don't That's look. All, the only place you need her <laughs> is, is Insta. And you can find me, Christian Blatt, on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. And amongst the other shows that I do, in addition to Curb Your Enthusiasm, Thursday is at 9 Pacific, Star Trek Picard after show. We've got a few more weeks of that, so tune in there. But again, that is all the time we have, so we will see you next week at the movies. See you later. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.